Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Camp Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. John chapter 5, starting in verse number 10. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them and said, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they them, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Verse 14, Now afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple, and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon thee. And the man departed, and then told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this opportunity to study your word. Help us now to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we studied the healing of the man near the pool of Bethesda. And the question we had to answer last week was, are we willing to be made whole? I mean, are we really willing to be made whole? Are we willing to accept the blessing of healing from Jesus, which is temporary because we're still in our flesh, but comes with a price. It comes with responsibility. If we're made whole, if we've been given a healing from the Lord, we have a responsibility after that healing to talk about it, to let people know who did this, uh, to, uh, to get the word of Christ out to others. We have responsibility. Now today, we're going to continue in that story. We just read verses 10 through 15, and we're looking at how others react to a display of the power of God in your life. You see, not everyone is pleased when God does something miraculous. I know that sounds strange, but it's the truth. Not everyone is happy when God does something wonderful. You know, 15 years ago, I started a church. In fact, it was 15 years ago this week. And there were folks who were mad that we started a church. And I knew that's hard to believe, but there were, there were folks, there were preachers who were upset at me that I went out and started a church. And... Only thing I can say is they didn't care about the souls that were saved. They didn't care about the families whose lives were changed. They didn't care about the glory that God gained through the ministry. They were only concerned that it wasn't done their way, that it wasn't their idea, that I didn't go to them for their approval first. And the Pharisees were like that. Instead of praising God for what he has done, they criticized the servant of God, and they even criticized the one who was healed. So let's look a little bit deeper into this text. Let's go back to verse 10. It says, The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. And remember, Jesus said, Get up, take your bed, and walk. The man was laying on a, on a, on a mat all this time, 38-some-odd years, uh, crippled. And Jesus healed him and said, Get up, grab your bed, and walk. And this man's walking around with his bed. Now, it's the Sabbath day. You're not allowed to carry a burden on the Sabbath day. And so the Jews said to him, it's not lawful for you to carry your bed. 
And he answered them, verse 11, said, Well, he that made me whole, he, he said to me, Take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, Well, which man? What man said that to you? Take up your bed and walk. And verse 13, And he that was healed wist not who it was. He didn't know who, who it was, because Jesus had conveyed himself, slipped away, a multitude being in that place. Now, the Pharisees are responding, and they think they're responding in a right way, because there is a special law mentioned in Nehemiah thirteen nineteen and in Jeremiah seventeen twenty one and 22 that forbade Jews to carry burdens on the Sabbath. It was just a reiteration of the fact that the Sabbath is supposed to be a day of rest. You're not supposed to be working hard on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to be uh, trying to make money on the Sabbath. You're supposed to take that day to rest and to worship the Lord. Now, those laws were really just meant to stop merchandising because people were still selling goods and carrying goods into town and then making up, setting up their shop and everything. And that's what the law was really about. It was about stopping this you know, merchandising of the Sabbath. But the Jews, like we do sometimes, like we all do, they made it a restriction that God never intended. So why did Jesus heal on the Sabbath? You're not supposed to do work on the Sabbath. Jesus did a work. He healed on the Sabbath. Why did he do that? It's against the law, right? Yeah, well, maybe, but it's good. It's good. It's good to heal on the Sabbath. It's good to, to do something good for somebody on a day of rest, right? I remember my papaw. Now, for those of you that aren't from the south in, in the southern part of America, papaw is what we use for grandfather. My grandfather, my papaw, he was a preacher. And uh, he had his own church in his backyard. He built he built the building himself and uh, held church there for years. And uh, he would have other preachers uh, get on his case and say uh, say that he it was uh, he was violating God's law because he would walk up early Sunday morning to the top of the hill, go to the barns, milk his cows, slop the pigs, straw the you know barn floor, and and uh, put out feed for the chickens and. They would get on him for that. They said, you're, you're working on the Sabbath. And he said, well, the Lord knows that those animals need to eat. He knows that milk needs to be, that, that cow needs to be milked. He knows that has to happen. You know, Jesus said one time, he says, you know, which one of you that had a man uh, have a sheep go astray on the Sabbath wouldn't leave the 99 sheep behind and go after that one, you know, find that one down in the pit and, and do all the work you can to save that sheep on the Sabbath because the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Some things that need to be done. Healing a man is a good thing. needs to be done. you got to remember that it's better to rejoice at the work of God than to mumble about whether it was done according to your preference, according to how you think should be, things should be done. i got, I got news for you, and it's something I have to remind myself often, and it's this. God works, and he doesn't necessarily work the way you think he should. He does things his way. Now, we have these ideas. We go, well, this is how God's going to do it. You do this, and God will do that. And it's often not that way. His ways are higher than our ways. His ways are not anything like our ways. And when we try to figure out how God's going to bless us, we are in, a, in for a world of disappointment because he, he, he's not always going to work the way we think he works. And oftentimes, he's not going to work the way we think he works. Over in Matthew 12, 1, 
It says, at that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, actually through the wheat. It's translated corn in the King James, but it's wheat. And his disciples were hungered and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. They were actually walking through and grabbing the husks of wheat and uh, doing something I used to do as a kid. You take it and you rub it in your hands and then you blow on it and, and the chaff would blow away. And all you'd have is the, the seeds, the kernels of wheat that you would gather a ton of together and crush and make into bread. But they would take these and just eat the kernels. And just they were they were hungry, so they would take those uh, ear those uh, uh, the heads of the wheat and crush them and eat the kernels. And verse two, the Pharisees saw it, Matthew twelve two, and said, "Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day." Verse three, but Jesus said to them, "Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and they that were with him, and how he entered into the house of God, went into the tabernacle, into the holy place?" And did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for him that were with him, but only for the priests? Have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you, on the Sabbath day the priests would go into the temple and do work, and yet they were blameless. Verse 6, But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath day. See, the religious attitude got to the point where even if Jesus, even if they believed Jesus was God standing in front of him, he couldn't violate their own interpretation of his own law. That's how it was. The law was more important than God himself. And that's how religious folks are. The law is more important than God himself. The, the church is more important than God himself. It's more important that I follow these rules than I follow what God says. Sometimes God doesn't work the way you think his rules are set out. That's the problem. We misinterpret it a lot. You know, Jesus' men are walking through the field eating the corn, eating the wheat. David went into the temple and ate the showbread, which is only for the priests. Jesus says, hey, mercy is better than sacrifice. So see, these men, they, they had a complaint. And their complaint was predicated on their attitude. Their attitude was contrary to the spirit of the law. One of my favorite verses ever is Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. If you love the Lord and you love His Word, you won't be offended at anything. You'll just understand that's the way some folks are, and you won't get offended. I have found one thing true in nearly 20 years of ministry and almost half a century of life. I have found one thing to be very, very true, and that is this. Nothing offends people as much as the truth. And when the truth is told, people get offended. And so great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. How about Romans 13.10? Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore the love is the fulfilling of the law. How about what John said in one of his epistles? He said, love covers a multitude of sins. We need to learn mercy and grace and quit condemning so quickly. See, these folks, these Pharisees, they never glorify God. That the man is healed. Here's a man. They, they know. that. They, I mean, they have to have passed by this man many times on their way into the temple. 
This man's there every day, 38 years. And this man's suddenly walking. It doesn't matter to them that this man's been healed. What matters to them is that this man's carrying his bed on the Sabbath. He's carrying his bedroll on the Sabbath. These are the same people that Jesus talked of in Matthew 23, 24. You blind guides who strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. You strain at a little gnat. You're so concerned about this tiny, tiny little piece of what you consider righteousness. And yet in secret you swallow a whole camel full of unrighteousness. Here's the folks who are worried about everybody else's sins but their own. Over in Matthew 7, Jesus has just preached the Sermon on the Mount, and he says this, Judge not that you be not judged. Oh, you hear that one all the time, don't you? Oh, we're not allowed to judge as Christians. Well, it's explained in verse 2, For with the judgment you judge, you shall be judged, and with what measure you mete out, it shall be measured to you again. So don't judge unless you're willing to be held up to the same standard. And then... To give us a little more into, insight into this and how we should think about this before we start passing judgment. And, and we're allowed to. We're allowed to pass judgment if we need to. If, if, if something is openly sinful, we need to pass it. But we need to check ourselves first. Before we ever point out the sin in someone else's life, we need to point out the sin in our own life. Verse 3, Matthew 7, 3. And why beholdest thou the mote that's in thy brother's eye, the little tiny speck, the little tiny sliver of wood that's in your brother's eye. Why do you see that, but you don't consider the beam that's in your own eye, the two-by-four sticking out of your own head? Or how will you say to thy brother, let me pull out that mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in your own eye. You hypocrite, verse 5. First cast out the beam out of your own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote of the brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. You see, folks that are accusational, confrontational, never inspirational. Oh, they've infected the people of God since the beginning, and we still have them today. People who are always looking for something to accuse. People who are always looking for a reason to criticize. Servants of God. Early in my ministry, I got an email. Right after our church had chartered, we had planted Lighthouse Baptist Church uh, September 9th, 2001, two days before the attacks. And the next spring, we had gained enough membership. We had brought in enough folks. Enough folks had gotten saved. Enough folks had come. And it was a young, uh, inexperienced congregation just... You know, but we had our we had our fair share of older folks too that had you know known the Lord for a while and were there balancing out and giving some spiritual uh, discernment to the church. And we we chartered the church uh, nine ten months later, and uh, shortly after that, maybe a year or so after we had started the church, I had a member leave. It's actually a, uh, somebody very close to me, and. Uh, Got upset at something I had said from the pulpit and sent me an email being very, very critical. Do you want to know his two top complaints were? Now, before I say this, let me say this. Uh, when we were young in the church and uh, before we got people in and everything, I had to do everything. So uh, we didn't even have – we didn't have – Deacons, we didn't have uh, trustees, we didn't have anything. I, you know, there were most most every Sunday. I ended up counting the offering. I didn't want to, but I had to. I didn't have anybody to do it, and I would get another man with me, and we would count the offering together. So I knew who was giving and who wasn't. This was a person who never gave a dime. I mean, never, never 
put a dime in the offering plate. You know what his number one complaint to me was? That we spent money out of the general fund to put new carpet in the church building. What right did he have? Oh, oh, and the other complaint he had was, why are you getting a salary now? You shouldn't be taking any money. You're a minister. You should never be paid for ministry. Folks just want something to complain about, don't they? So let's change gears for a second. Verse 12, they asked him, "Why? what man told you to take up your bed and walk? We have these folks that are just, you know, they're just, they're straining at this gnat. They, they, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you carrying your butt? Your, I, yeah, we know you got saved. We, we know you got, you got healed. We saw that you're walking now. We don't really care about that. What we care about is that now that you've been healed, now you're sinning because you're, you're carrying something on the Sabbath and you're not allowed to do that. Who told you you could do that? I mean, they couldn't find any fault with what God's doing, so they attack the servant. Who told you you could do this? They knew who, well and good who it was. They knew Jesus was the one doing it. He's got a reputation now for doing these things. But they want him to say it. I want you to be prepared for this if you're in God's will. When you do something, people are, I mean, do something in God's will. When you accomplish something for God's glory, people are going to attack you. Just be ready for it. Verse 13, and he that was healed wist not who it was. He didn't know who it was. Jesus hadn't told him his name. I'm sure the Pharisees knew who Jesus was, but this guy didn't. He just knew it was this, this tall fellow came over and talked to me and picked me up, and I was healed. He didn't know. Jesus conveyed himself away. He slipped away because there was a multitude in that place. I love this. And Jesus heals this man, doesn't even bother telling him who he is. Doesn't say, hey, you need to come to my church. Doesn't say, hey, you need to watch my TV program. Doesn't. Let me ask you a question. Are you willing? Am I willing? Are we willing to do the work of God without any expectation of reward? Without any monetary compensation? Without any verbal uh, 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 thank you? I, I mean, have you, have you done work? Have you helped people and never even got a thank you? It hurts, doesn't it? What do you do? You go and do it again, not expecting anything in return. Jesus didn't even give him the man his name, and he slipped away quietly. Why? Well, it wasn't his time. He was interested in the Father getting the glory, not himself. And then verse 14, he comes back to the man and comforts him for a second. He says, uh, in verse 14, uh, Behold, you're made whole. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews it was Jesus who made him whole. Verse 14 starts with this, Afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple and said, Behold, thou art made whole. Where did Jesus next find this man? In the house of God. This is very important for us to note. It is a natural thing for those who love God, who have been blessed by God, to want to go to the house of God. When Sunday morning comes... I'm recording this on a Saturday. Tomorrow morning, I get to go to church. I don't have to go to church. There, there's, I don't have to go to church. You don't wake up Sunday morning going, oh, it's Sunday morning, I, got, I have to go to church. No, you get to go to church. I want to be in church on Sunday morning. There are some weekends when I go to four services on a weekend. I go to a Saturday night service, two Sunday morning services, and maybe a Sunday night service if I can find one and I'm not off on the road or something. Why? I want to be in the house of God. 
I want to be around God's people. Why? Because I've been saved. There's a lot of folks out there who claim to be a Christian, but you never see them, especially on a Sunday morning. Well, I can worship God just as well in the wilderness, in my tree stand, on the golf course. No, you can't. And you don't. Don't lie to me and don't lie to God and don't lie to God's people. You're not worshiping God when you're sitting in your tree stand. You're not worshiping God when you're teeing up on the seventh uh, hole in your, on, your, on the back nine or whatever it is. I don't play golf. I don't understand that stuff. You're not worried. No, 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 no. You're, you're feeding your own flesh. You're doing what you want to do. Is it so much to ask? To give God the first tenth of everything that comes into your life. And when it comes to a day of the week, to give him the first seventh. Just the first day. Give it to him. Go to his house in the morning. Go to his house in the evening. Start your day with God's people. End your day with God's people. A person who's been touched by Jesus does not have to be begged, coaxed, or tricked into going to church. One of the things that bothered me the most when I was full-time pastoring was church members who would stop coming to church and then get mad because I didn't invite them back. Now, here's the problem, folks. If you're a child of God, you should want to be in the house of God. And as the pastor, I shouldn't have to invite church members to their own church. You should want to be there. So Jesus finds this man in the house of God and he says, Behold, your healing. He says, Make note of this. You've been healed. Don't forget this. And don't sin anymore. Obey the word of God. Obey the word of God, lest a worse thing come on you. Let me ask you this. What's your attitude when God works in a way that's not contrary to the word of God, but contrary to your preference? your own personal law. What's your attitude? When God works in a way that you didn't expect, how do you react to that? And are you critical of the work of God and His servants sometimes? And then finally, when Jesus healed you, did you put that in your memory and keep it and use it as a reminder to be holy? Think on those things, folks. Next week we continue studying the book of John. Thank you so much for listening to the Field Notes Podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you who listen to us each and every week. We have listeners in 27-plus countries, dozens of states across America. Um, it's just been amazing how many folks are listening and how many folks are, are liking us. If you if you like what you hear, if you're enjoying the study, go to iTunes and, and click the review button and leave us a review. Just let folks – it, it helps us to move up the – the uh, tier there so that when folks are looking for uh, preaching, looking for a religious podcast, that uh, they'll find us a little bit sooner. That just helps us if, if you would do that, and uh, we would appreciate that. Go ahead and visit us at our website, www.militaryfellowshipministry.com. Visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash militaryfellowshipctr. Follow us on Twitter, at MFCJacks and also on Instagram, at MFCJax. Thank you so much for listening this week, and thank you especially to JDFoxRadio.com 
for broadcasting us every Sunday so faithfully. We really appreciate that. God bless each and every one of you. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, I'm Dave Mason. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.